The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Let's go! Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023. Listeners, please welcome back fan favorite gay adult superstar adult industry veteran performer, and multiple award-winning erotic artist, Sean Zevrin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It is absolutely fantastic to have you on, my friend. Uh, You have been on, if you can believe this, now four times. Our very first interview was almost, I hate to even say this because it sounds nuts, but it was almost a decade ago. Like, I have our stats. <laughs> December 1st, 2013 was our very first interview. Our second interview was in April of 2015. Our most recent interview, and recent is, um, it's a long time ago, but our most recent interview, the last interview that you did, was in August of 2017. This is now your fourth time back. Welcome back. It's awesome to have you on. It's insane that our first interview was 10 years ago. But I'm going to start this off by thanking you for always being incredibly supportive. I mean, you don't have to come back. You know what I'm saying? You could have done that one interview and be like, I'm done with that shit. But you have come back. You've always (laughs) been consistently like so supportive of me. You've wanted to come back. You've been so open and honest with your interviews. So I just personally want to thank you so much for just being so amazing. I really appreciate it. Well, the feeling is definitely mutual, and thank you for having me again. And It is hard to believe that it's been nearly a decade since our first interview, but it's great to be back. Um, hello to all your followers and fans. Um, great to be back. I agree. It's fantastic to have you back on. So uh, let's kick things off, as I always do, by getting some unique stats out the way before we get into everything and anything that's been going on these past six years since we last did an interview. So uh, what's your height and weight? <laughs> it's been a lot. Right? 5'8", and right now I'm probably about 180. I kind of fluctuate. It just depends on if I'm leaning more cardio or uh, heavy in the gym, so... What's your ethnic background? I'm black and white. What's your zodiac sign? (laughs) I've never been one for astrology, but it would be a Leo. For those out there that are into it, how old are you? Yeah. I am 35 now. That would make me, I was then 25 when we did our first interview. (laughs) I know. Yeah, it's been a moment. And in total, how long have you been in the adult industry? Um... Let's see. I did my first scene in 2011. Um, So I guess it's going to be somewhere around 12 years, but I did take a two-year hiatus, maybe a little more than that. So if you want to include those, which I guess you could, but I haven't been, I wasn't really performing or making content in that two years uh, during the period of COVID and stuff and lockdowns and such. Um, Total, I guess you would say about 12 years, though, if you want to include that. Yes, of course. Very nice. Okay, so uh, the first thing that I want to discuss is something that we always discuss during these interviews, 
and it's how to pronounce <laughs> your name. And I know it's been a moment since we've done an interview, so this would be a nice yeah. little refresher for the listeners. I know that we have been very consistent with our inconsistency in which I've introduced you and how I've pronounced your name. Because at a certain point, I know mm-hmm. you've been like, <laughs> you know, a lot of people pronounce it this way, but this is how I originally intended it. But now I really don't care because so many people pronounce it this way and other people pronounce it the actual way. So can you share with the listeners about it? Yeah, so it comes from the character Zevran in Dragon Age Origins, um, which is the other ones afterwards. But... I came to accept it as Zevran or Zevron because when I was doing club appearances early in my career, um, I guess the usually the stage announcer would forget how to pronounce it or they wouldn't inform the person. And so I guess people just assumed that it rhymes with Sean. So there was this thing where it became Sean Zevron. And because people would hear that hear it that way, it would they would either if they were familiar with the character from Dragon Age, they knew the pronunciation. Um, but it just became where I would hear Zevron as much as I heard Zevron, so I just can't accept either one. <laughs> All right, I like it. I pronounce it the actual way, listeners. But, um, you know, Sean is fine with either or. So let's get into it, though. Let's Let's get into everything that you've been up to since the last time we spoke. And in the time that you, um, or I should say, in the time that since we last did an interview, it appears as if you've moved a bit away from the industry. The last time that we spoke, I believe you were, like, fresh with signing with Cocky Boys, and you were with them for a year, and as you mentioned, the pandemic happened, and, and you kind of stopped doing stuff period, industry stuff, studio work, as well as stuff personally. But nowadays, it looks like you're sort of dipping your toes back into studio work. I know that you've been doing a lot of, you know, stuff for yourself, as well as collaborations. So can you share with the listeners a bit about why it appeared, or why you actually basically stepped away from the industry in a sense, and uh, why the return now? And uh, will we see more studio work from you in the near future? Yes. So the reason for the hiatus is obviously, you know, when the industry went on lockdown and or most of the world went on lockdown, uh, I, I took a much-needed uh, break from the industry, and that included pretty much producing anything of my own content because uh, I had just started doing my own content maybe probably a year prior to COVID. And then when that happened, um, I took a break because we didn't really know what the hell was going on in the world. And then I um, had a lot of personal stuff going on. And I never had any intention of leaving the industry at that time. It's just that I was, like I said, I was taking a hiatus. And I've since moved. I no longer live in L.A. I am in Louisiana now. And so that also kind of adds to the complication of, you know, availability of collaborations here. But I did also do something with Naked Sword. Um, The Swords, the most recent, or one of their biggest, most recent productions, Um, that happened back in, was it April, May, I think? Um, It was just recently released. Uh, So I'm doing both studio and um, content creation personally uh, for my own fan sites, like OnlyFans and Just for Fans, et cetera. Um, But I've definitely done more of my own stuff since then. Um, 
but the studio work I'm do I'm doing both now. I just I've done a lot more of my own since returning than I have studio work. All right. So definitely you're interested in doing more studio work. So that's something that the listeners should expect from you in the future. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, and there's yeah, and there's definitely pros and cons for that. There's one point where I wasn't too keen on doing any more studio work, but um and we can get into this if you want. Like it's just been it's really changed the industry like OnlyFans and so totally. there are pros and cons to doing both and um you know, it's kind of a back and forth as to what I really want to focus on now, but um yeah. <laughs> No, you're completely right. You are exactly, like, right on the button leading me into my next question. And the question is, I'm going to ask it the way I was going to ask it, but I'm going to adjust it towards the end. Um, how has the industry changed since uh, the last time we spoke? Hell, since the first time that we spoke. And where do you think the industry's going? Like, I feel, as you're just alluding to, OnlyFans really has changed how the industry works not just only fans but all of those sort of original content content yeah. creator websites only fans just for fans there's loyal fans now that all of those sites really changed the industry during the pandemic it was almost like a seismic right. shift and nowadays i mean i hate to say this but all of the studios out there cover your ears i don't feel like performers really need the studios anymore I think for performers, being a part of the studio system and doing work for the studios is almost like maybe checking off like a dream. You know, like I want to work for this Studio X or website Y, you know, and that kind of thing. But outside right. of that, you know, maybe doing a couple scenes here or there to expose yourself to their audience. But outside of that, mm -hmm. I don't really feel like performers need the studios as much as the studios need the performers. This is correct, and like I said, when I say there are pros and cons, uh, of course, well before OnlyFans, there were a lot of uh, hosts for producing your own content. It mm -hmm. just, it, it, there are, I think, a lot of factors that come into why OnlyFans uh, got so big and became associated with private content creation, and I think a lot of that has to do with a, a tremendous amount of people were laid off during the pandemic. And so a lot of people turned to sex work, and uh, OnlyFans became one of those things where it was simple. At the time, there weren't a lot of rules and regulations that were being enforced. Um, of course, MasterCard and Visa, in their um, war on sex trafficking, uh, has sort of thrown a kink in, or a wrench in that. But um, it's easy to do. The I think, well, let me... It's not easy to do. It's, it's more simple than a lot of people had access to the studios in the past because if you wanted to get into sex work, in particular if you wanted to produce porn and, and be a porn star and, and really get into the industry, it was somewhat difficult. And because a lot of studios, um, you know, you may want to do porn, but they don't necessarily want to hire you. And I think what OnlyFans did is it made people realize, hey, this is something I can do on my own. This is something I have control of shaping my own image, and I don't have to go to the studios for access to the industry. You know, a lot of people have blown up. I know people who've gotten in the industry, and within a year's time, they've blown up 
way bigger than me because they're creative, they're hard workers, um, they're hot, and whatever they're doing is very uh, creative and it appeals to people and something that studios don't provide. Um, the thing is, the industry has become very saturated uh, over, well, since COVID really, and it's understandable. A lot of people turn to this because they had no other means of generating income at the time. A lot of people really enjoy it. It's something that's fun. It's something to really put yourself out there. And uh, you can make a lot, a lot more money doing your own content and taking control of your own image than you can with studios. That being said, there's not a lot of accountability when it comes to independent content creation. And what I mean by that is I mean staying on top of, staying on top of your health, um, just simply showing up on time and following through. It's sort of this thing where people just do it at their convenience and they're not very respectful of other people's time. Um, and that becomes difficult when you say, like, plan a trip. Like, I live in Shreveport. Plan a trip to L.A. or anywhere else, and I have to only so many dates that I can work with. And I maybe plan two collabs one day and two for the next. Well, somebody needs to change or somebody's two hours late or half a day late and we're trying to reschedule and it's just really no good reason for it. And you can't ever be certain unless you're checking their medical paperwork, whether they're being honest when they've been tested and stuff like this. So there's just a lot of things that can make planning trips like that incredibly difficult, um, especially when you're a lot of this stuff is done on your own dime and when you're paying it, it's all out of your pocket. And sometimes if you're paying, you know, just whatever factors into it. And so with studios, they usually have a standard. It's like, okay, we're going to require you to get tested. You have to provide the paperwork. You have to sign. And if you don't show up, you're not, we're not going to hire you again. And you're going to get a certain amount of pay. So you're guaranteed. There's a certain amount of, um, consistency and security that comes with doing studio work. And they also have still bigger budgets than the most of us. So they're, they do some cool stuff. Like when I did Naked Swords, uh, most recently, it was an amazing production, right? Normally I wouldn't, all the things that went into that was pretty amazing. It's not something that you get to do uh, very often. So, you know, like I said, there are pros and cons. Now I want to ask you about you yourself. How have you changed since we last did an interview? We did an interview six years ago. How has Sean Zevran evolved in that time? I think Sean Zevran has a lot more cynicism these days. <laughs> no, um, I've, I, it's really, um, I don't know really. Like, I think, you know, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, but I think with COVID and everything that went down really changed my perspective on not so much the industry, but just the world in general and how we sort of, everyone sort of acted in that regard. Um, as many people know, I got very political and I kind of turned a lot of my fans off with how political I was there, but I wasn't doing studio work at the time. And I was kind of devoting a lot of my stuff to what was going on in the community. Um, things that happened with black lives matter and things that, you know, the murder of George Floyd and all the, you know, uprisings and things like that. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of that, and I think being involved in that really gave me a different perspective of just politics in general, uh, people's behavior, and just watching all the things that are occurring in real time. We've seen a lot that's going on right now um, between Israel and Palestine, 
and so that's something else, you know, but I don't, that's not, you know, it's kind of tangential to that, but it just adds to sort of my perspective and how that's my outlook on all that has changed. And so far as the industry, I don't think really, I don't know, it's people's behavior toward you when they realize they can't get something for you or that you're not filming or that you're not immediately can be of use to their utility or interest. And that sort of changed my look on the industry and how people sort of regarded me then. But uh, that's, uh, I don't know, it just it made me a lot more weary and careful of who I place my trust in. And that's both personally and within the industry. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest lesson over the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is, even though I hate that saying. <laughs> Let's talk about your longevity in the industry. You've been in the game for 12 years. Sure, you took, you know, about two years and some change break, but I still feel like mm -hmm. you're still incredibly relevant. You know, you have an incredibly strong fan base that, you know, maybe some people were turned off by, uh, you know, you uh, having a bit more of a political activism edge over the past couple right. of years, but a lot of your fans stayed. And uh, mm -hmm. you still have sort of like that fan base that is there by your side supporting you. So I'm curious to ask, what do you attribute that longevity to? Why do you feel like you clicked with the fans and the fans are still there, sort of like waiting for whatever your next move is? I think maybe. Now I'm speculating here because I, I've asked myself that at times before too. And I think it's because I, I'm very forthcoming about the way I feel about things just in the world in general. Of course that turns a lot of people off, but there are a lot of people who sort of balance these personas. And I think if anything, my persona has been somewhat, I guess if you're perceiving it from a distance, unpredictable. Um, but it's just because I tend to have a very nuanced view on a lot of things, which we're all driven to, some might say extreme, and I do have maybe extreme positions on some social issues. And I think it's just because I'm very honest about um, the approach to my work, politics, and things like that. And so I'm always also trying to change it up. I tend to get really bored with things in general, like especially with like OnlyFans, for example. When everybody starts doing the same thing, it becomes a little boring and I want to change it up. And I think that's another thing that I'm known for in the industry is sort of my versatility, not just in terms of top versus bottom, but just the amount of looks that I give in the industry. Um, and I do that intentionally. And on some people, <laughs> I've gotten message for that, frustrates people. They're like, are you a submissive bottom or a dominant top? I don't know. It's whatever the fuck I'm in the mood for. And But I think, right, it's at the end of the day, it is there's an art to it where it's content creation and the ability to sort of fulfill these roles in any capacity is, I think, not something that everyone does. And somebody that's, I think, a lot of that has to do with, um, I think prior, prior to OnlyFans getting really big, what people don't realize is a lot of this is, is just that. It's acting. And one of the fun parts of being in this industry is being an artist in the sense that you can fulfill these roles. And I think a lot of people get too sort of locked in their own image, in their own head sometimes, 
and it prevents them from really branching out and having fun with this industry. So they're too focused on maintaining a particular persona. And so that may be something else that appeals to my fans. Um, that and just, you know, I've always been very genuine about whatever it is that I'm doing, even if, you know, I think when they realize even if they don't agree with me or something or I've done something to turn them off, they realize, well, you know, there's this, at least this, sort of genuineness that I do interact with my fans and they do understand I voice a lot about my own personal experiences and I think that also resonates with people. Um, and so they tend to stick around even when they don't agree with me and that, that's very much appreciated. And if they don't agree with you and they're rude, I love how you are very fast to check them. <laughs> I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but the thing is on social media, if I can tell that somebody's not engaging me in good faith, I don't have a lot of patience for that because I think there's this sort of thing where, because if you realize, I'm not really too quick to block. I've been a little bit quicker these days, but like on, on for example, on X, like I don't block a whole lot or Twitter, you know, um, I'll give somebody a chance. You know, people come at sex workers sideways all the time and that's just kind of, I don't really take people seriously. And so I realize if they're actually trying to engage me in a genuine discussion about an issue, I'll always give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And I may start off pretty hostile sounding, but if I realize, oh, okay, maybe this person actually does have a legitimate point or they're serious about engaging and learning, then I'll kind of tone it back a little and be like, okay, I see where you're coming from. Um, but I don't have a lot of patience for nonsense, that's for sure. And if people want to come at the discussion on there, that does not, that is just obviously transparent and that there's no, there's nothing constructive to be gained by engaging them, then yeah, I will check them as you say. So, you know, and, and, but I think once they realize, oh, maybe there's something to be learned here. And that's how I approach most things, even if it doesn't seem that way. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for bullshit, that's for sure. You referenced your fans like questioning some of the stuff that you've done on social media, you know, specifically on Twitter, mm -hmm. on X, whatever you want to call it nowadays. Uh, but one thing that I think kind of stood out during that time when you weren't really shooting that I think sort of, it, it, it boggled a lot of your, followers' minds, like it sort of blew their minds, and I don't think they, mm -hmm. some of them knew how to react to it. I feel like you know no, where I'm heading to true. this. But there was like, you went into this whole phase, I don't know what you want to call it, an era of um, humiliation <laughs> kink. Oh, yeah, I, so... <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I feel like your fans, a lot of them really had no idea how to react <laughs> to it. Because I just remember reading comments, and it looked like a lot of them were confused. Kind of like how you said, you know, people asking, oh, yeah. are you a totally submissive bottom, this, that, or the other. And so yeah. you, you kind of, you messed with their minds, in a sense. I don't think it was intentional, or maybe so, it was, I don't know. There's some parts of my... I like to write, so let's add this. Let me preface this with this. And so a lot of the erotica that I say, and sometimes I try to blur the line between what am I being serious about and what am I not? Um, because one of the things that I realized is that if you go on and this, if being too serious about too many things for too long, people kind of like, yeah, you know, they're looking for an escape as well, right? But what they don't realize is that I, too, am looking for an escape. And so a lot of the time, 
when I am writing these things or am I, you know, doing sort of certain photos or saying certain things, there is, it's not that it's false. Like that's, there's a lot of submissiveness to me that I very much enjoy that. And that's probably my main thing in terms of what I enjoy most personally. Um, but you didn't get to see that a lot when I worked for studios. So that's another thing, the difference between being able to create my own work and the studios. And the whole mind games that I like to play with people is in terms of some of the things that I say, it's not meant to know whether I'm serious and it's meant to be enjoyed in the moment. Um, it's meant to express certain feelings that I noticed that a lot of submissive my followers do have. Um, and so I enjoy that. And it's one of those things where it's meant to confuse people and I'm not going to give them a final answer on some of that stuff where they're trying to discern, okay, where exactly is the line between – it's not what is false and what is true, but it's just sort of – it's meant to – it's like – the best way that I can put it is it's like art. It's meant to evoke a certain sort of mood and to express – that aspect of a fantasy that a lot of people feel, but that perhaps have never explored or, or tapped into. And because I've gotten a lot of messages when it comes to that sort of stuff and of people telling me, Hey, I never really thought I would be into this. And you really stirred something in me that makes me realize a part of me, what I really enjoy. And I love hearing that sort of stuff because it means I'm doing my job at the end of the day. And that's ultimately what I have a lot of fun doing. And, um, but I actually like there's I genuinely enjoy like you, for example, like the whole chastity thing. Like I enjoy doing that, and tops love it. And so there's this whole thing where at first people were kind of weary of it, and then it's like, oh my god, I really enjoy this. They find themselves exploring an entire different genre of porn that they otherwise would have been totally unaware. So I think it's. There's a lot of things that go into it. It's entertaining, to say the least, and I really enjoy it. So, <laughs> Since we're talking about your evolution, how has your style of fucking evolved over the time that you've been in the industry? How has your performance style evolved? Um, I'm a lot more cognizant of what people enjoy and what they are looking for. So that's the thing about being sort of a divert or a, a a versatile performer in many ways uh, is that you start to learn things that people pay attention to. Uh, you start to, you know, like I said, OnlyFans changed the game a lot. So it's like it's working with other creators, what they are trying to bring to the table. So you learn from them. Um, you learn how to deal with them. Um, <laughs> and then, I don't know. So I think... It's just being aware of, okay, I know they're really going to like this right now based on my interactions with a lot of people or the message that I've gotten that I really need to probably emphasize this or express this in a certain way or they're looking for more of this. So I think it's just more of I look for what is going to be what they're really going to enjoy. And I think it's very easy to lose sight of that when you're only like, say, this is one of my frustrations right now, too, in the industry. Is that a lot of people who want to collab, they're just like, they just want to fuck and knock something out and throw it out. And for some people, that's fine. It works, and the audience likes it because there's a sort of uh, simplicity and honesty to it that you don't get with studios because it all seems like performed. 
Um, but I think there's a way to, to sort of mix the two. Um, but a lot of people, it seems to me with this industry and it being so saturated, it's just another check in the box for them to add content and say, they, hey, I've made content for this week. Let's move on. And that's, that's fine. I get the hustle. But there, I think it sort of cheapens the artistic value when you don't even consider, okay, I'm trying to appeal to this and let's get creative this. I've done this so many times. Let's change it up. And some people just aren't really interested in that. And that's a shame because I think to really explore and fully enjoy the industry, you have to take that into account. And so many people these days don't. And that's one of the benefits of studios, mind you, that they are looking to do something. Usually the directors and the creators, producers are like, okay, hey, this is really, we're investing in this. We're going, we're paying everyone. Everybody's got a place. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got something to bring to the table. This is what I want out of it because this is the, end result that I'm going for. And even though we might, the, the result may be totally different, there's a certain appreciation for the art itself. And you don't always get that with independent uh, content creators. I want to ask you this. I, I'm trying to wreck my brain. I don't, I feel like I've never asked you this before, but um, now I'm curious to, just because, you know, you've been in the industry for as long as you have. I'm curious, do you get recognized in public? Like, I'm not saying, you know, every day is somebody, like, coming up to you, but, like, are there moments when you notice someone staring or you're somewhere and uh, people just come up to you and they're like, oh, my God, it's you? <laughs> so, as you, as I mentioned, I moved back to Shreveport, Louisiana, which was my hometown. It's where I was born. And nobody's – now, when I was in L.A. or elsewhere, pretty much any major city – that would be something common, especially if I was going out. But I don't really go out much anymore. I'm just I'm so much of a hermit. But when I did in the bigger cities, yeah, that was pretty common. Like, oh, you're Sean's and it was it was normal. Now back here in Shreveport, Louisiana, that hasn't explicitly happened. But what has happened is, I think because this is a much more conservative area, and people are very much still in the closet. Like, you can get on Grinder here, and probably over half of the profiles are just blank or some that whatever's going on with people around here, it's been incredibly difficult to find other gays in the area, which is expected, but not, I wouldn't expect it to be this much, but I have been out in public a couple of times or at the gas station. and There's been this pause where somebody like the cashier or wherever the case may be, or if I'm out to eat or something like that, well, people kind of give me this weird stare and be like, I feel like I've seen you somewhere before. And they won't outright say it, and it's just kind of like, I'll assess the situation. But like, I think, you know, I don't respond that way. I just kind of, oh, I don't know, you know, I grew up around here, or I'll say something, you know, kind of just casually dismissive like that. And I think, given as long as I've been doing this, those are times where people are trying to say, do you do porn? The thing about being in Shreveport, Louisiana, is nobody around here knows how to say that. And they're definitely not going to outright say it in public, which, you know, so I... Around here, it's difficult to tell, but there's been a couple of encounters where it's just like, I think you know. Now, it was very common when I was in Los Angeles and stuff like that, but, you know, porn stars, and people uh, in the industry are a dime a dozen in cities like that. So, Now, something that I'm also curious to ask you about, I believe the last time that we did an interview, this might have been something fresh, but you are an official Flesh Jack boy. There is an official Flesh Jack that is of, of you, as well as an official dildo out there. So I'm intrigued to ask, what's it like sort of knowing that out there in the world, uh, p 
people are using your booty hole and your dick to please themselves, maybe even at the same time. <laughs> I used to be a lot more entertained by this idea, but I think I've become just so used to it that it's just like, that's great. <laughs> um, it's really cool, though, when you do take a step back and realize that a lot of people have not had the privilege of having something like that in the industry, even people, I noticed they've been branching out a lot to people who blow up big as independent content creators, and that's good as well, because it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, I did this, you know, and I think for me, that is sort of just as important as any accolade that I've acquired in the industry. Of course, I look at this sort of, in and of itself, as an accolade to have been, had the privilege which had happened very early on in my career, which is, you know, it was surprising. Is I wasn't, I don't think I was that big yet. Um, of course, I have trouble engaging exactly the measures of how a lot of people go by social media and stuff. Of course, social media was very different then, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that many relative to today. But in and of itself, to me, it's it's, it's an honor to be sure of things that can that one can acquire in this industry. So that's kind of how I look at it. It's 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 very cool um, because not a lot of people could say that. That is true. You are a part of sort of like an elite group that uh, can actually say they have uh, sort of replicas out there, which is which is interesting. I mean, I feel like you've there's sort of like um, like you've made it type of thing with having a sex toy out there that's a replica of you. So it's it's interesting. It's a neat little. Uh, thing to sort of add to the porn resume, for lack of a better word. I think it is, because I remember very early on, even before I got into porn, going into stores and seeing other, of course, I wasn't a performer then, but I would see, you know, like Brent Everett or other people who had their own toys and be like, man, like, what do you got to do to do that shit? Like, that's kind of cool. And then when I got reached out to, uh, I was like, oh, really? This is pretty fucking cool. So... To be one of those people, like I said, it's, it's definitely definitely an achievement for this industry, and that's kind of how I see it. It's probably... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, and I like, think... Like I said, an award in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, and I think the added layer of being a performer of color in the industry and having that out there is also, I think, you know, another thing that adds to it being sort of a, a special honor. Almost Definitely. Let's talk about, uh, back to sort of like performance and, and that sort of thing. Let's talk about cum control. When you're doing a scene throughout the time that you have been in the industry, how do you keep yourself from coming too soon? How have you been able to work on your cum control to make sure that you last in a scene? My problem is I last too long. So cum control has never been an issue for me. It's when it comes time to oh, I want to get this comes on, on camera, it's like, okay, I need to hurry up and come. So it's like sometimes, a lot of times, if I'm going to include my own cum shot, if, I'm my, if my dick isn't locked in chastity, then I, it's going to take a minute. So that's always been the case, even especially for studios and stuff like that. It's a little bit easier when I'm doing my own content creation because it's usually something that I have been totally controlling in terms of the creativity and the appeal to it, so it tends to be a lot more arousing to me, rather if it's as opposed to just like studio, because it's sort of then you're like conforming to somebody's uh, the director and what they're looking for, so it kind of takes you out of the headspace a little bit. But my biggest issue has always been it takes me too long to come, not that it 
that I have to control it. So that's never really been a problem for me. This is also another reason why I love to bottom, but not just because I most mostly enjoy bottoming, but also like I don't like having to focus on me coming. And this means mm-hmm. whether it's privately or if it's for being on camera, like I am a pleaser. So I would much rather just focus on pleasing the other person. And I don't like people worrying about me coming. I understand like people like, cause I like come too, but like, I don't like people worrying about whether it feels good to me or whether I'm coming. Like if I'm into it, like I'm into it. Like you don't need to worry about if I'm coming. Like that's just not an issue for me. Let's talk about double penetration in scenes. I feel like double penetration, it's being featured a whole lot more nowadays in productions than they used to be. So I want to get your take on uh-huh. it. I, I'm, I was like racking my brain and I'm like, has, has he done it before? Have you done it before? Are oh, yeah. you open to doing it? Okay. So what's your experience with double so I've, penetration? I've done it for LetThemWatch.com um, on screen. I think it was the first time I've ever done it on video. I've done it plenty of times on my own time, uh, but the first time that it was ever recorded, I think, was for LetThemWatch.com, which was the same that I did the Come Dump Van and, and, and Whore Em Out. Um, and I've done it a couple times on camera since then. And it's always been something that I've loved. And really the thing that's most difficult about it is you have to have tops that are able to do it. So when they need to have big dicks, they need to be able to stay hard and they need to have a certain, uh, they need to be straight or slightly curved up and it becomes difficult if they have like a sideways or downward curve. But um, I love it. I think it feels great. Like it's a little tough getting them in there at first, but then like there's no better feeling than being like stretched out like that. So I love it. The first, I'm surprised it took me this long to actually do it on camera because it just never Usually if I've had plans to do it in the past or in the studio, there's always something, either the tops can't do it or it's never been the case that I haven't been able to handle it. But, like, I don't know. And then I realized when we actually did record it for Let Them Watch, I was like, this is actually the first time I uh, – it was, uh, yeah, I think it was the first time it was ever recorded, um, and that was this year. So, you know, I love it. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, that site a little bit more because you have been doing some incredibly buzzworthy scenes for, as you referenced, Let Them Watch, Whore Him Out, Come Dump Van, that sort of family of websites. In particular, mm-hmm. I would say the Come Dump Van scene was probably the most buzzworthy. Like Everybody was like, oh my gosh, when they saw it. So I want <laughs> you to take the listeners a little bit on a BTS journey with number one how you uh-huh. connected with them and uh what was your experience like in the come dump van i feel like i would love for you to break it down a little bit because uh you know realistically at least uh-huh. you know in in my time interviewing performers i mean when you're doing scenes there are model releases or this is out of the other i know it looked like yes. they were just searching for random people so i don't know if they were and then they just signed the model release there maybe you can break down exactly how the cum dump van worked there are of course there are those legalities that are definitely play a factor because especially if you're going to put this on sites well generally now is like if you don't sign a release you know they're going to boot you off of there because MasterCard and Visa, that's one of the things that they're cracking down really hard on 
And so if there's not releases for all of this, on most, they're a little more lenient on other sites because it's not as pressing of an issue. OnlyFans is probably the strictest ever, which I get it. But, like, you know, in terms of, like, actually making something like the Cum Dump ban happen, so Juven, the one who owns the three companies and directs them, so he's typically the one that's been handling all of that. And you do have to sign releases on all of them. And there is, it's as, it's as random as you can make it, but you still have to have, like, when people are coming in these vans, right, to cover your own ass, you have to be like, okay, where's your ID? Sign this. You cool with this? What are you not cool? Do you not want your face? Stuff like that. So you do have to sort of go through that, and that's a lot of what people don't see on the side. And... So we want, there's a safety issue. There's an issue like if you're doing the cum dump van, um, you need to make sure it's a location where it's not going to be a problem. Um, you want to be respectful of whatever the surroundings and you have to, a place that's appropriate. Like most of the time it's been done in like West Hollywood in a, um, in like, for example, Vaseline Alley, which is notorious for cruising and stuff like that. So it's kind of discreet and, you know, out of the public eye. Um, but you do have to, cause there's the age issue. You don't want somebody who's, you know, let's say borderline between 17, and 18 coming there. So you have to check ID. You have to get them to sign a release. There's all of that still. And then there's still the issue of safety. Like if somebody comes in there and they're tweaking out and look like they're half out of their mind, it's like, mm, this is not for you. Um, but you do, the thing is, it's the appearance of it being as sketchy as possible. And that's the appeal to it because that is one of the things that I really, really love just personally on and off screen. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so that's the mood that we're trying to set. And that is what is being conveyed. There is a lot of, um, it's not entirely, it's not staged. I wouldn't say it's just, you do have to make sure to put all your checks in the box in order for this to become a production on the screen because there's just certain legalities that you have to cover your ass and navigate. Um, so it can never be entirely um, just indiscriminately random, um, although it does, there's that, that's what the appeal is and that's what we try to convey. Correct. So navigating that in itself is sort of an artwork. I would assume, yeah. I mean, it's porn, so it's a fantasy, so it's supposed to look a certain way. But at the end of the day, right. there's a lot of BTS stuff that needs to happen to make sure, yeah. like, everyone is safe. I would assume yeah. that, and I could be wrong about this, but I would assume because if they are finding people almost on the fly, that it must be a longer shoot than, you know, when you have a performer there, you're shooting the scene, and then, bam, you can be done. You know, because if you're waiting for people, if they're, you know, filling out some paperwork, if they're showing IDs, I don't know if they do testing. I know some um, some studios are a little bit more stringent with coming in with the tests and that sort of thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if right. that's involved. But if they're doing a lot so, of that stuff, then I would assume it, it, you know, the person arrives, you know, where they're shooting, but then it probably takes a moment before they can actually shoot, right? It does, and the testing thing is one of those things where you, in a situation like that, obviously you can't verify that everybody's been tested, and anybody who tells you that you can is like that's just not that's just not feasible. And so one of the ones where it was more on the fly like that was, 
think it was L.A. Pride. I didn't really participate in the festivities, but I happened to be in L.A. filming at that time. When we were doing this, some people would come up and somebody would be like, oh, he's got a big dick. Bring him in here. Does he want it? Is he cool with this? Is he sign it and all that stuff? Obviously, you can't verify their testing on the spot like that when something happens. But that's just the thing. And that's a huge issue right now, too. And that's one of the reasons. That's one of the pros of working for studios. You can verify this stuff. Now, me as a performer, I've been in this game long enough to know that, and a lot of veteran performers have, is that you have to protect yourself first and foremost. It is up to you to get tested. You do that at a minimum once a month. Um, if you're not filming, even if I'm not recording anything, just casually in my own private life, I don't go two to three months without getting tested anywhere um, unless I've just had absolutely no set, which has been a case a time or two here in, in Shreveport since moving back. But um, that's just one of the things, you know, when you're doing a set like that, you do accept that that is a risk. But that's up to you to be on PrEP or antiretroviral therapy or whatever it is um, and go get tested and ensure that once you – because the thing with me is, like, I always get tested right before I do a scene like that, and I wait the typical – four to seven days after that time period, go get tested again. If anything comes back, I get it taken care of. I do not film. Even when I'm waiting, you know, so there's just if, if I do a cum dump scene like that, I a lot two to three weeks following that because in the case that I do contract something, I don't want to spread it to other people. You can't trust everybody in this industry to do that though, and that's also one of the huge problems right now that that when OnlyFans got big, obviously a lot of other people were doing private content. They're doing a lot more stuff like this. They're not doing that, and that's becoming a huge issue with a lot of us. You can't really – there's no way to really control that or, you know, but it's a problem. It's definitely a problem, but, like, personally, I have a certain protocol that I adhere to, and I think that just becomes out of respect for my other fellow performers, for other people in general. And just because, you know, I've been doing this a minute, so I know I know how to conduct myself professionally like that. A lot of people don't. I appreciate the honesty and the candor on all of that. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. You know, porn is a fantasy, and I think a lot of people need to realize that. I mean, as you said, I mean, it's not staged per se. I mean, clearly, you know, if you're on a, in a scene where there's acting, then clearly that's staged. But when it comes to, right. like, porn, that's more reality-based, and I use reality in air quotes, you know, uh, there is preparation involved in that. And, and once again, as we've sort of both been saying, there is, you know, the, important, the importance of safety for the performers, for the production, as well as for the people that are coming in and that sort of thing. You know, it has to right. be safe for everybody. So I appreciate you breaking it down for us. I mean, clearly... I would say, you know, the the work that you've done for those three sites and that family of sites, they've been incredibly buzzworthy. It's caught, like, everyone's attentions, your fans' attention. So I'm, I'm very thankful for you for breaking it down a little bit. They were probably my most fun that I – the most fun that I've had in this industry so far. So there's a lot – it's a lot of fun. Like, there are some – there's some hoops you got to jump through and things you got to navigate for the sake of legality and safety, but it ultimately it's it's extremely fun. Were they fun because, in essence, you got the chance to almost live out some fantasies on screen for the viewers? Oh, because this is stuff I've done in the past 
off camera, like I said, it's kind of like the DP thing. I've done stuff like this before off camera. I've never gotten to sort of let that part be seen just mm-hmm. because pre- it was a lot more difficult. So before the time of independent content creation, studios would never touch something like that. Like, they just don't want the liability. There's a lot more flexibility uh, when you're doing your own stuff because you're, you're, you set your own rules. And you, the, whatever the finished product is, that's on you. And so, but when you have that sort of control over it, and you can collaborate with certain people, like, all right, we're going to do it this way, it's going to be really hot. And at the same time, you're enjoying the sex, you're getting fucked, and so it's like, you're just having fun with it. And you want that to be on screen. Like, the fucking, it's, none of that was an act, it's just, you're having fun. While, you know, it's like, okay, well, and then some people are like, well, this guy's hanging around. Get him out of here. He's been here too long. Like, whatever. Stuff, stuff like that that happens, you just don't put it on the screen. But, um, yeah, it's all extremely fun. It's the most fun that I've probably ever had in the industry. And uh, it's it's nice to be able to get that on screen and share that with uh, other people who really enjoy that kind of stuff. The other production that I want to discuss with you, you briefly mentioned it a couple of answers ago, is uh, the big production from Naked Sword. It's called Naked Sword's Final Cut. In essence, and I don't think I don't think this was built this way. Like I don't think Naked Sword built it this way, but this was basically your grand return to studio porn after not having done work for the major studios in a moment. Yeah. So what was that experience like for you? What was it like being on a sort of like big budget production set like? And um, what, was, uh, what, was the, what was it like to shoot the scene? Well, I knew everybody there already. And then a lot of these people that I, I think everybody that was a part of that production, I knew. And I had worked with at some point, I, or at least met them. Yeah, I think everyone, I'm trying to think. I think everyone except Cole Connor I had worked with previously. Um, and he was great to work with. Um, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was very cold when we went up there. Um, the place was amazing. Uh, the place where we both stayed and filmed the scene. Because it's like a mansion that was cut out of a mountain. And so it was just like this big cave, this huge cave house that was remarkable. Um, and it was just so beautiful. And if it wasn't so, so out of the way, I would love to live in a place like that someday. But, like, we didn't even have Internet out there. So we were just kind of – we didn't have cell phone service. We didn't have anything. If we wanted cell phone service, we had to drive, like, two miles. I don't know. It's not even two miles. It was further than that. Um, toward the closest town. And – but this – there was a lot that went into this production. But it was uh, – it was it was pretty amazing. It was definitely one of the top tier things that I've shot, uh, studio wise, um, and uh, yeah. So like that, it was all except the cold and no cell phone signal. That was that was fun, and it, it ended up being the as people can see, like the the quality was top tier. Absolutely. I mean, the set, I mean, I had no idea, you know, what went into that location, but the set was gorgeous. Like, it was insane. Yeah, it was in, like, Utah, which, like, five hours, I think we would drive, like, five hours out of Vegas Airport, which was, like, crazy, but, like, it ended up being worth it. Absolutely. Yes. Very nice. And as you said, listeners, stay tuned for some more studio work 
from Sean. Maybe they just have to realize that you're back. Because I feel like once they realize you're back, you're going to be getting a whole bunch of work again. Because you're top tier. I'll say it for you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, let's talk about your original content. Because as you referenced, you did take a little bit of a break, but you are back yeah. updating. So what can the listeners expect to see on both your OnlyFans and your Just for Fans? And is there a difference in the type of content that you post on either? There may gradually begin to be a difference in type of content just due to what we're able to post certain places because OnlyFans is getting extremely... Yeah. I think they're trying to slowly purge us off of there. That's what I've been telling performers. Um, Whenever we talk about OnlyFans, whenever I've talked about OnlyFans with performers, especially in the recent months, I always bring up the fact that, and maybe the listeners don't know this, so I'll I'll bring it up here as well, the fact that their terms of service seems to get updated a lot, and a lot of times it affects older content, so some older content will get flagged because of the updates. There was this whole thing, when was it? Was it in 2020 or 2021, where they specifically oh, said they that... they picked us all off of there for like three days, and they were like, we're sorry. Exactly. And then there was such an outcry of protest that they rescinded that change. But I think all of these terms of service changes are basically that. You know, slowly trying to purge the adult content off, well, which I find incredibly here's disrespectful. Here's what they don't realize. Yeah. Only fan, nobody's just trying to kick – that's a lot of money for them. They're not just trying to be like, we don't like you, get out of here. There's a little bit of that because of the stigma that is now associated with OnlyFans, and they didn't really want that. But the OnlyFans started – like they knew what they were getting into. What they're navigating a lot is the whole MasterCard and Visa thing because of the mm-hmm. war on sex trafficking. And there's this strong-arming that – Master, because they, you can't run a business these days without processing, or I won't say you can't. It's extremely difficult to run any sort of business like producing pornographic content because people, it's just subscription based, and unless you're paying with like crypto or something like that, there's just not really a way to do it. And so, when Mastercard and Visa says, "Hey, you don't get this shit under control, you're going to lose your contract," uh, that's a lot of money to just have yanked out from under you, and no business can sustain that. So, while they're OnlyFans have been dick, and they've by far been the strictest because they don't want their brand now associated with that. But they're also navigating a very difficult road where it's extremely hard to verify everybody that puts on content. Pornhub's doing the same shit. Like, it's very hard for them. Like, they've cracked down. Pornhub is definitely not what it was because they're they're the ones that kind of is where all this started um, because the rules became a lot more strict in the name of fighting sex trafficking. There's a lot of overreach for sure. Um, but our big problem as sex workers, it isn't even essentially with OnlyFans. It is with the credit card processors and the oversight that a lot of local governments are pressuring the sex industry. Um, they're trying to obviously push that. There's a big, strong contingent on the right, uh, the political right, that just want to, if they have it their way, porn will be, a, porn will be illegal altogether. And so that's kind of what we're contending with. And when you have the banks and stuff like that, you strong arm the rest of us saying, hey, we don't want this shit on here. And it can happen to any company. And so they don't realize it's it's really just like migrating from site to site, which is, you know, when you work in sex work, that is a typical – sex workers are used to that. It's just getting a lot more traction now 
in the name of combating sex trafficking, which the a lot of it is disingenuous because it's very reminiscent of the war on drugs where it's like they're not they don't care about the drugs. There's an ulterior motive going on with this entire thing. And whereas the war on drugs was very racially, if not all wholly racially motivated and began by Nixon, the whole combating sex trafficking is really just a way for them to, even if there is genuine concern, there's just this massive movement to, so this social conservative movement where they just want to, if they have it their way, they'll expunge porn altogether from the internet. Of course, you know, you can never, you can try to outlaw something like that, but if you know how the internet works, that's not going to work. It just makes it incredibly more difficult for sex workers to do their thing and incredibly more difficult um, not to mention less safe for the entire industry. So, And just to point a little, put a little button, I should say, um, with what you're saying, it's fascinating that that's what they're trying to do. But if you ever look at those maps of, you know, the states that consume the most porn. The most porn is the conservative states. Yes. There's the not. There's some psychological repression going on. There here. really is, and I would not um, be surprised if they're the reasons why the whole step genre is incredibly popular. That was something that that's the, the, the whole family genre in general is what I noticed. It got really big yes. on OnlyFans. It just became big, every, which it was always like a thing, um, but like it just became like huge all of a sudden. I'm like, well, that that's interesting. You know, it's, uh, okay, whatever. It's not really my thing, but. Uh, it's funny that that became really big, and I think it was Pornhub that they're the ones that did the first collected data on this, and there's been a couple of other places that have made efforts to collect data on this where they discovered that, yeah, conservative areas consume the most porn, and I'm sure there are a lot of factors that go into that. I try not to look at something like that and generalize too much. But I think it is something, you know, noteworthy that, hey, you know, what's going on here? Why is this Why is this a thing? How often do you update your content? How often do you release new scenes or photos, that kind of stuff? Lately, I've been trying to do it every one to two weeks. Um, my living location right now has made it extremely difficult to meet up with other content creators. Um because I try to do it on trips where I can plan several, because I don't really have anybody locally that I can do content with, which I expected it to be a little dry, but, like, it's been incredibly difficult to find anybody so much just to hook up with, which I expected with Grinder and every other technological means at our disposal that it wouldn't be this difficult to find people to do content with on the regular here, but it has been. So I'm doing the best I can right now with my own content, that usually involves me having to travel and book numerous collaborations in the same trip, and you can probably expect maybe half of them to go off as planned, and other people just either flake or they show up later, they don't, this is this and that, and you don't end up getting the kind of work that you want in product. But, you know, I try to update it every one or two weeks. It becomes frustrating because I'm not as consistent as I would like to be, but it, it's not really for lack of effort is so much as, you know, I plan these trips in between. I do a lot of stuff helping with my family here. So I have to plan around that. And then I also am studying for, you know, several it certifications with the end goal being cybersecurity. So I have to sort of, that's my number one priority right now. And uh, so I'm sort of balancing 
my industry work with that, and that becomes increasingly difficult. But to answer your question, I try to at least do update my sites every one or two weeks. It doesn't always happen. You know, my apologies to my fans who get a little frustrated with me because of my inconsistency, but I, I do the best I can with all the things that I'm balancing outside of porn. So I will say that um, it's, I don't really know what's the right word. I don't want to say comforting because that sounds like I'm saying it's a good thing, but it's, it's interesting. Maybe that's the best word. It's interesting to hear that you as a sex worker that's creating content, that you also deal with the, the flakes as well, because as someone who interviews you guys, uh, I get plenty of flakes as well when it comes to just trying to do a damn interview. So it's nice to hear that the unprofessionalism is universal, you know, not just with someone who's trying to it... interview you guys, but as well as amongst fellow performers just trying to work with each other. That is one of my biggest grievances with this industry. Yeah. So like on the topic of me planning a trip, like let's say when I go to Los Angeles, let's say I'm going to be there a week and I want to plan, I don't know, six collaborations, maybe seven or eight. I expect half of those to probably not even happen. And that's Yikes. one of the things that has gotten a lot. With studios, there's a degree of, an, of accountability that affords certainty and that you can plan it and you can say, hey, okay, this is going to happen. Now, it happens with studios too, but far, far, far less likely to happen with the studio um, just because of what all is involved in the studio. It says, hey, if you're going to work with us, this is the requirement. You show up on time. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pay for your trip. Now, you have flights with them too, but like they, they're one of the reasons I, I still like studios um, they hold people accountable as best as you can in this industry. And when OnlyFans became uh, very, very common, it's there's just so many people who just don't give a shit. It's just like, maybe their stuff is hot, but they just don't give a shit, right? They don't respect people's time, and, and, and it's like, I'm just doing this because I can, and they don't give a fuck about the end product. And... It just becomes incredibly difficult. It's like herding cats, if not worse. I think I would rather deal with cats, but you know, I feel you on it. Done about it, really. Yeah, I feel you on it because I can't imagine me, myself, and I traveling somewhere and then all of a sudden getting a cancellation. I mean, y'all are doing these interviews from the comfort of your damn home, and I still get people flaking out. So I can't yeah, even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad about being 15 minutes late earlier, but I had to go run off and do something. It took me a little bit longer to get back, but, like, you know, I try to – that's one of my things is I try my – unless there's some extreme circumstances, you know, I try to stick to my word. That's something that's always been very important to me, um, and you just don't see a lot of that happening which I guess is to be expected. I don't know, in the age of today, like I said, I've been in this shit more than a decade now, as we mentioned in the beginning, and you it's a new generation, and respect for other people is not a common virtue. Um, and people have always been shitty, right? But then, like, content and the social media and all of that, the way it the motivations psychologically have changed for a lot of people, and it's just, I don't know, we've collectively lost our fucking minds, and I think that spills into the industry a whole lot, because it's just one of those, you know, anytime you mix sex with anything, it becomes 
exponentially more complicated. So That is true. That is true, my friend. Since we're talking about social media and we're talking about your original content, I am curious to ask, what part of your body gets the most attention on social media? Uh, probably my ass. That's kind of, you know, what I'm known for, I guess, and getting fucked in it. Uh, <laughs> so, but then, you know, my dick also gets a lot of attention, even when it's locked away. Which you have, it's funny when I, when I do that, when I, when I lock it up in chassis for a scene or if they see it in photos because you have very, very polarized opinions on that. Some people just fucking hate it. Take it out. They just throw a fit about it. It's funny. And then on the other end, the moment I take my dick out of there and post a picture where I do have my dick out, why is your dick unlocked? It's just the whole range of opinions on very, very passionate about however, you know, it's kind of like the whole condoms thing which nobody wears condoms anymore on for scenes, but people see, it used to be like that was the thing, right? It's like you see a condom, people with, they devolves into like cults, right? The anti-condom cult, and it's like the, why aren't you wearing a, and it's just, it's funny to me. It's, um, on top of that, like, you know, I've always stayed in pretty decent shape, so my body gets the attention, but I think muscular people are kind of, also a dime a dozen in this industry and I think if that's all you have going for you it's kind of boring like there's some hot guys that I see that are that have entered into this industry and do their own content beautiful fucking beautiful but all this shit is the same and their body is all they offer and no creativity I am much less likely to work with that type of person than I am somebody who can really say oh you want to get into some kinky shit or you want to just fuck around and do something really fun and we'll figure it out like, I like planning, but I also like somebody who's adventurous and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, how can we make this, like, really sketchy or how can we make this, like, we're really is unique and appeals to people. You just don't have a lot of that, and that's really disappointing if somebody thinks, oh, I'm just hot and I have a body and we're going to do this. I'm like, you're the most boring fuck ever, and that happens more often than you think. I never say this because I'm not a dick. I don't say this to people's face, but, like, I don't know. Some people are just like, I'll see them, and they're like, you're so hot, maybe I would date you or something but like that. But making content, your content is so fucking boring. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I love that you're keeping it real. I appreciate it. That's too funny. All right, Sean, as we start wrapping things up, it's time to go inside the porn actor's studio. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that should allow your fans and supporters to get a greater insight into you. So this section is split up into different sections, and, and the first category is TV. This is TV in general, like not necessarily TV right now, but TV throughout your entire life. I, I wanted to preface that because sometimes performers are very stuck on the most recent. Um, I do have a question, though, that starts off about the most recent, and that is, what's the most recent television series you've binged? Oh, Jesus. Um, shit, let me think, let me think, let me think. What is I don't watch a lot of TV, so I really have to think on this. Um, usually when I do, it's, I go to my... I think... Attack on Titan this is an anime that my sister had me bit. We watched like the entire, we're waiting for the new, well, the, it, the most recent has come out, but we're waiting for the English translation so we can, you know, not have to watch, I like subtitles, but I think that was the most recent thing that I've binged. And we sat, my sister and I and her roommate and her boyfriend, we all sat in there 
like in the same room for like all weekend, just ordering pizza and shit, and binge watching Attack on Titan. Because um, that was the first time. Uh, my sister's a huge anime fan, so she gets. I kind of, she kind of got me into anime. Um, I'm trying to think if that was the last one that we watched. Though I feel like there was something else after that, but I can't exactly recall. Because Attack on Titan's been around for a minute, but like, uh, they're just now wrapping up, wrapping it up, and. So there's been a few, another season that came out, or I think technically it's like a, anyway, that would be the last uh, thing that I think I've watched. Um, there's Ghost in the Shell, which I watched that quite a while back. Um, there's the older one and the new one. I haven't seen the older series, but I do, I've watched the new one because I'm big into like sci-fi and artificial intelligence type stuff, so that's been that was another one of my favorites, but that was kind of a while back. I think Attack on Titan is the most recent. <laughs> What's a TV series that you've seen more than once in its entirety? Um, the most recent Ghost in the Shell. Uh, that I really love that, and I was actually probably going to watch that again sometime uh, soon, actually. Um, like I said, I don't watch them. I've never been big on on TV, but Ghost in the Shell um, has definitely been one that I've watched probably four times already. Who's your most favorite television character? Um, I don't know, actually. I'd have to think about that. I probably can't give you an answer on that right now because I don't know. <laughs> What's your favorite cartoon growing up? Favorite cartoon? You know, I don't know. I was I'm I'm a big video game player, so I. I mean, I watched all when I was really little. I watched all the Looney Tunes and all that silly stuff. Uh, when I got older, it was mostly like you know Adult Swim type things. Um, but I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Video games are more my my what I do for entertainment. So anything TV related is going to be extremely difficult for me to answer. <laughs> well, this is the last TV based one, I promise. Uh, what's the worst television show you've ever seen? Oh, Jesus. Like the majority of them. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> I, you know, I just, there's a lot of popular things like today that I just don't understand. Um, I don't like reality TV. I don't get that shit. Like I don't, it's never appealed to me, and I probably hate them all equally. I just don't get them. Like they, just, I don't. They don't. They're not. They're not reality for one, and they seem to hinge on our worst impulses and the sort of drama that people just feed off of. And I just, I, I can't relate. Like I just, they really just. It's like something alien to me. I'm always perplexed when I watch, when I listen to people talk about reality TV and get really, and they're really engaged in it. It's just something. I don't know, it's probably what people think when they start listening to me talking about video games or stuff. It's just like, I don't get it. I don't really get reality TV and the whole culture that's sort of based on it. I don't get celebrity culture in general either, but, you know, when it comes to, like, the, the feuds and all that stuff, it just it seems so weird to me. The next category is film. What's your favorite film genre? Um, sci-fi for sure. I, I love that. I, you know, things dealing with artificial intelligence in the future and, or fantasy, too, but I think mostly, you know, sci-fi. The Matrix is my all-time favorite movie. The whole trilogy. Well, then there's the most recent one, which is, yeah. 
What's the name of a movie that frightened you the most growing up? Um, I don't know. They're all just movies, so they never really frightened me. I don't really get, like, the only time I ever get frightened is definitely not movies. <laughs> Do something like if you, the health of my family or something like that. But What's a film that you viewed over five times? The Matrix. Okay. <laughs> There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't at least quote that movie or look at some snip part of it. Like, it's just, like, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> What's the last film you viewed in theaters? Uh, oh, the Mario movie. The new Mario. <laughs> it was adorable, by the way. But I went with my sister and her boyfriend. We watched uh, the, the most recent Mario movie that's in theaters. I think it's the most recent. Unless they've come out with another one since then. What's your go-to concession snack? Um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I guess. Do you buy that at the movie theaters? Oh, at the movie theaters? Yeah. No. Just... Although I wouldn't be surprised if they had them. Popcorn. I don't really like movies junk, but I usually get like an icy and popcorn. I love popcorn with a shitload of an ungodly amount of butter. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it doesn't count if you're eating that in the movie theater. Like, if it doesn't spike your blood pressure, it's not good popcorn. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the next category is music. Who was your first concert? Um, I don't do concerts. You've never been to a concert, period? I've never had an interest to go to a concert. Oh, okay. I've been to, like, a rave. Um, and... With, like, a famous DJ person? Yeah, I'm trying to think who that was. Um, I mean, I've been to a couple of those. and But, like, I don't really, like, I love progressive trance and, and, and house music and stuff like that. But, like, as far as, like, actually go, like, if I go to something, like, that's even remotely like that, it's usually just, like, a, a rave or, I could say a circuit party, but those are kind of totally different things and those aren't as fun. But I don't really, I concerts, I don't, I don't do. I'm just not really a concert person. What's your theme song? My theme song? Um, I'm going to go with the Turks theme song from Final Fantasy VII because that's what I've been playing lately, and that's like a childhood favorite. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, I've never done karaoke. I mean, I have in college when I was like really, really drunk, and I don't even remember the song. I was too wasted. <laughs> Do you sing in the shower? I sing everywhere, <laughs> which is probably something that people are, like, not in public, like I don't, you probably don't want that, but like, I do. Who's the music artist you play to set the mood? To fuck? Yeah. Um, I, I don't really, if I do play music while I'm fucking, it's going to be like some like progressive trance or something like that, like I don't really, music doesn't get me in the mood to fuck. The next category is pop culture. What's your favorite video game? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you put that in the pop culture category? Yeah. Um, my favorite video game. I have a few. Obviously, Dragon Age is is a classic, and that's what my performer name is based on. I was a big World of Warcraft player in college, and then I play Elder Scrolls Online, and Final Fantasy VII is what got me into gaming really hardcore. Um, so I'm a big MMORPG 
fan. I think my favorite is going to be between Dragon Age, Final Fantasy, and um, and Elder Scrolls Online. Have you ever Probably seen the Elder Scrolls in general, not just online? But... Have you ever seen a ghost? I don't believe in ghosts, so no. If I do, then I'm happy to change my mind. I would more probably first question my sanity, but no, ghosts aren't. That's not real. Who would win in this fight? A vampire or a werewolf? They're not real. I mean, <laughs> I don't, if you were for basing this off of fiction, I don't know. I guess it depends on what fictional world you're in. They have vampires and werewolves in Elder Scrolls, and I tend to go with the vampires. But you don't want to fuck with the werewolves either. They're, they're, they're pretty, like, legit. So, I don't know. Have you ever been to a psychic? Uh, No. <laughs> What's the last book you read? The last book I read. Um, probably The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. I think that's the last one I read. Have you mistaken? I've read a couple of books by his recently. But I think The Myth of Sisyphus was the last one. The next category is food. What's the first meal you learned how to cook? By yourself. Bacon and eggs. That's the only thing I ever cook. <laughs> What's your favorite spice? Favorite spice? I don't know. Pepper? <laughs> What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Butter pecan. What's your food indulgence? Spaghetti. What's the most impressive meal you can make? Bacon and eggs. <laughs> okay, it goes back to that. All right, I like it. <laughs> The next category is sex. <laughs> How old were you when you lost your virginity? Uh, like, <laughs> 13? I don't know. Like, around that time. It was, <laughs> it was very early. Prior to entering the business, prior to entering the adult industry, who was your favorite porn star? So the funny thing is I didn't really keep up with porn stars, but the first one that I ever kind of like that caught my attention was Brent Everett. Um, I remember sort of when I started venturing into porn and actually followed anybody, it was, it was him. Uh, and then I think it was like Matthew Rush. And after that, I really kind of stopped following individual porn stars and kind of just, I watched porn in general, like starting in like college. And then... Then I became part of the porn. So, <laughs> where is the strangest place you've masturbated? Um, I don't know. I don't think I really do it anywhere other than my bathroom or bedroom. No matter where I'm at. Oh, I well, actually, so I did. Uh, I did a like live masturbation show in Guatemala one time. I know, random. But I would say in front of a crowd in Guatemala would be the strangest place. Um, but then I've also fucked in front of a crowd, too. So, like, you know, it comes with the job. No pun intended. Very true. Well, yeah, <laughs> that was good. What's your favorite sexual position? If I am into the person and, like, I know that sounds weird. Some people are like, why would you have sex with somebody you're not into? Well, because sometimes guys are just dicks with legs. Like, there's no personality there. You know, uh, and then also if you're doing stuff like the come down van. If I am, like, have a crush on the person, it's definitely missionary. 
If I'm just looking to get plowed, then doggy style. That are goes whether I'm top or bottom. So, Are you a member of the Mile High Club? No. I don't know how people fuck in those tiny-ass bathrooms. I don't either, but apparently I've they never, do. I've been on an international flight, and the the bathroom was still not big enough for me. I don't where that. I don't know where the. First of all, I wouldn't, because I know what. <laughs> I'm not gonna name names, but everybody knows what happened. Um, <laughs> like that's just. I, I have a thing with public indecency that I don't really. I'm not too keen on. Like there's the things that I do for like content, which is very like set up in a way that it's not in front of people like it may give the impression that it is but it never is um but i think there's a lot of i don't know i have a very probably in the minority on what i how i feel about public sex and things like that in this industry i'm very like um probably not very friendly when it comes to that sort of thing and the final category is y-o-u what's your favorite color black how many languages can you speak one What's a place you haven't visited before that you hope to visit? Hell. I'm just kidding. Um, Can I just say that was quite the answer? I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, cargo ships that just go and deliver cargo everywhere. Like, I almost thought about doing that as a job one time. Because it just seems like, I don't know, that sort of environment. Like, Because I also want to go on one of those ships to go down to Antarctica. Of course, there's nothing fucking down there. But, like, just to go see it, even though I hate the cold, that it's, like, the one place where I'm like, I kind of want to just go down there in one of these big-ass ships that, you know, cuts through the ice and stuff and just be on it and go where there's, like, no civilization just to be there. I don't want to live there, but, like, just go there. I think it would be kind of nice to be in a part of the world where no humans can live. May I just give you props for that answer? You know, there have only been a handful of performers that I've been doing this sort of line of questioning with. I'm, I'm doing this with performers that I've interviewed like multiple times and that kind of stuff. And uh, that is a really brilliant answer, you know, a cargo ship, because technically that's multiple answers in one, you know, because they go everywhere. So you can kind of visit yeah. everywhere. I like that answer. Yes. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Frederick Nietzsche. And what's your favorite curse word? I was going to go with fuck, but I also like calling people a bitch. I also like saying faggot. It's between those three. I don't know I say cunt who. Stupid cunt. We're going to go with fuck, faggot, bitch, and cunt. All right. Just strung together. Might as well. Yes. Hyphenated. Sometimes they are. <laughs> exactly. What's next for Sean Zevrin? What's coming out in the future, in the near future, that the listeners and, and the fans can expect from you? Is there anything that they should be on the lookout for? Um, Nothing in particular. Now, I know that sounds kind of like boring. It's like, what can we look forward to? But I'm really kind of... I'll do more cum dump stuff because that stuff is just finally hot to watch on screen, especially just sort of watching that dynamic play out between everybody who's involved, whether they're filming or whether, you know, just the guys come in and then, you know, like if I'm doing something that's blindfolded and I'm letting the director take care of it and 
somebody later messaged me, I fucked you. I, like, it's kind of funny to me. It's just kind of one of my kinks, I guess. I hope to do more stuff like that. But I'm also looking for something that just, like, it, it, I want to find creators that are really wanting to, like, try to explore something. That, I don't know what yet. Like, and I'm trying to come up with things that are just, because, like I said, the industry is so saturated now with so many people doing OnlyFans and things like that. So I really want to do something that's fun and creative. I'm really tired of just, there's just so, and I never thought I would complain about this. There's just so much porn out there that it's just like, oh, and it's all over our Twitter. And it's just kind of like, seen it, seen it, seen it. And there's some people that probably feel like that about my work, but trust me, it's like when, these are not things that I don't realize. And like, that's why I think one of the reasons that I'm inconsistent about my work is because if I don't feel like I can really, if it doesn't offer anything new or that I'm really going to be into it, it's just kind of like, eh, I need motivation to, to spur the, my dick as well as the urge to just produce something that I think is really going to, that I'm really, it's really going to be worth me investing time and energy into it. Cause I want it to be worth it for the people that are watching. I don't want people to have to click on something like the same thing over and over. And so I try to avoid that. So how can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, as well as where they can find your original content? I hide under a rock in Shreveport, Louisiana these days. Ain't nobody finding me. I'm just kidding. Sort of. But I am on X, uh, at Sean Zevron, as I always have been. Um, that's usually what I, I mean, if I reach out to anybody. I do have a Rentman still, although I think right now it's on, like, pause because I haven't really been escorting. But So there's that. I do occasionally still escort, and it's usually if I travel or go out of town and, you know, just be like, I want to get fucked for some money. So, you know, I'll switch that out and do whatever. But, um yeah, mostly on X, at Sean Zevran, S-E-A-N-Z-E-V-R-A-N. Perfect. And that's the same for your OnlyFans, just for fans? Yes, it is. Awesome. Well, Sean, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters that are tuning in? Uh, I would like to express my gratitude for the people who have followed me and, and sort of been a fan all of these years because I know I've been sort of the ride has been an adventure, right, as it has been for myself. So I really want to take time to express my appreciation for everybody that has been a fan, and I hope to continue producing content in the future that really, you know, sort of brings something new to the table and that makes, you know, makes their fan fandom worth it and, and, and appreciate it. So uh, thanks. That's to you and your followers as well. Well, I'm incredibly appreciative to hear that, and, and I certainly want to thank you as well. Like, as I said at the beginning, you've always been incredibly supportive. You always give great interview. You have been absolutely fantastic to me in all of these years, so I'm thankful to you, and I'm also thankful for you, you know, wanting to come back and to share a little bit more of uh, your experiences, your insight, and all that kind of stuff with the listeners. Well, thank you for having me. It is a, an honor and a privilege, certainly. You're welcome. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. The door is open for more. Whenever you want to come back to update the listeners on what you've been up to, it would be wonderful to have you back on. Certainly, let's hope that it's not another six-year wait. Um, <laughs> yeah. So hopefully uh, a little bit yeah. sooner let's, than that. Let's try to do this a little more frequently. Yes. <clears throat> yes, you always have something interesting to say. So uh, I, I <laughs> hope that we can do this much sooner than six years. I look forward to that. 
Maybe I can knock out a scene on a cargo ship somewhere in Antarctica. Let's see. Let's see how that plays out. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I, lo- I love your thought process. And listeners, also want to thank you for tuning into One on One with Poppy Chulo. Before we go, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One on One with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on One on One with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychuloradio.com slash after dark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one on one. That's at Poppy Chulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. Do you have any questions? Suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Sean Zevran and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Have a good night. Let's go. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Julo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>